Let's continue worship with a reading from Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, man, you can be seated. Welcome to church, y'all. All right, so today, super excited. Um, we have with us, um, what's your title? Super Regional Leader, I think is, is the title. Uh, John Elmer is with us today. He's overseeing the East Coast of Vineyard Churches, and we're super uh, blessed to have him. He's a, he's a Yankee, uh, and so I don't know what he's going to say. Thank you, Chris. Um, that, what he said was nice. It's not exactly true. Uh, I am a Yankee, but I'm his parole officer. <laughs> um, well, it's an honor to be here and to be able to hang out with you. Um, you know, this is a great church. I loved worship. I Loved uh, the, the warmth and the feel as I came in here. I, I just from out from Scott that this church started the same time I planted my church in Syracuse in 1991. We started. That just means the two of us are old. Uh, but it also means this. For the last 31 years, this community of faith has been bringing Jesus. It's been being salt and light have seen people connect with him, have seen uh, people grow in their faith. They, you, you've been used by God to bring justice and care for people. And so that's amazing that it's been this long that you've, you've done the work of Jesus in this area. And that's great. I know, I know Chris has just taken over a, like a year before COVID. That's nice, you know. Uh, but I, I got to meet him and Elston um, Last week, I never really got to meet him and got to hang out with him. I said, man, these guys are great. These are really, uh, you know, the sense from the spirit was these are, are two uh, great leaders that God's going to use. And, and in this church, in this area, and I, I think in the vineyard movement. And so you are really blessed, I think, to, to have them, to have the heritage you have and have them. Why don't you just give them a hand of uh, say thank you. Well, today I want to talk about um, everybody gets to play. Now, most people want to get in the game. It's more fun to play than it is just to sit back and watch, right? And so we, we want to get in the game. That's for everybody, I think, especially little kids. When my kids were small, I coached their, their soccer team. So it was an under-7 team. It was always the kids, mostly their first organized sports team. And it was a lot of fun. It was kind of crazy. And the league we were in, everybody had a, everybody had a play. You know, you didn't, you're supposed to not keep score, but the kids always did. They're like, hey, we tied. And you go, no, we didn't. We won 10 to 1. You, know, they, you can't fool kids, right? They, they know. But uh, 
there was this little girl one year on our team. Her name was Jess. Jess loved being on the team. Jess made her mom get her there to be the first one there. And everybody came. And she'd high five. And she'd, they'd be playing and kicking, running around and having a blast and giggling. She was always made her mom wait because she wanted to be there with everybody till the, the very end. Jess loved being on the team. The problem with Jess was she was an awful soccer player. She didn't have an athletic bone in her body. But, you know, everybody gets to play. So we have our first game of the season. And, you know, they send out. It was really one of the hardest things I had to do. It's like, okay, you 11 go out there. The rest of you guys got to sit here. But I promise I'll get you in. And so we did that. And they went out and run around. And as, as the game progressed, I went to get Jess in the game. And I said, hey, Jess, come on. It's time to get in the game. And, and Jess is sitting on a bench playing this little, like, patty cake game with her, her friend. And they're giggling and having fun. I said, hey, Jess, come on. It's time to get in the game. And, and she says, she looks over her shoulder and she says, no. And, and just keeps playing the game. And I said, Jess, this is the first time I ever had a kid say no, right? I said, Jess, no, you got to come on in the game. Like, your dad's going to be mad at me. This isn't your big dad. He's going to beat me up, you know? Like, you got to come in the game. She's playing, just giggling. No. And I said, you have to play, Jess. She looks at me with this big smile and she says, I am playing. <laughs> you know, we all want to play. It depends which game we want to play in. Well, I think we all want to be in the game, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God, when the things of Jesus. You know, in the vineyard, we have this long-held value that says everybody gets to play. It's not just the man or woman of God up on the stage. It's everybody. It's those who are brand new to the faith. And those who've been walking with Jesus for decades. It's those who, who kind of have it together. And those whose lives are a mess. It's for the broken and the scared. Men and women, young and old. Everybody gets to play in the kingdom of God. Now, why is that? Well, here's my first points. We have the point. We don't have the points, right? I'll tell you what the first point is, okay? We have all been made to play. Let me read you something here. This is, um, this is from the Bible, which, which is the word of God. I mean, this is eternally true. God gave us what really happened. And we get a picture of something that happened long, long ago at the beginning of time. It says, so God created man, humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So each one of us are made in the image of God. That we're his reflection. That there's this family resemblance of us to him. So think about that, you know. The clearest we get to see God is Jesus walking this earth. We're reflective of that. Jesus was in the game. I mean, he was a doer. He got his hands dirty. He left the comfort of, of the, the throne in heaven where everything was mad, where it was wonderful, 
And he gets off that throne, he comes down, and we're celebrating that this month, you know, he comes down, he, he, he puts his, you know, uh, he takes on human flesh, is born in a backwoods country and an oppressed people, to a working class family, and grew up and felt pain and hunger and, and you know, uh, uh, being tired and not getting enough sleep and having a headache and all those things that you and I feel. And he did that so that he could get his hands dirty. He could care for people, love people, demonstrate what that love is, healing people, comforting people, washing people's feet, willing to give himself up so you and I could have redemption. He, he, he did everything he could to tear down the wall of separation between us and the Father. Goes on to say, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The first command that God gives humanity is to get in the game, to engage your environment, to, to, to make things different, better, to bring the, 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 the creative power, the, the resources of God in us to others. And he blessed them when they did that. Now, this thing goes out throughout the Bible. I really like this one spot where it talks about it in the New Testament. In fact, it's one of my favorite verses. And it's in Ephesians, it's Ephesians 2. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Now, I want to stop there for a second. I want you to think about this. The NIV translates as handiwork, but the original language that this was written in is Greek. And you could translate that. In fact, some of the Bible translations say that we are God's masterpiece. See, God is this, master craftsman and, and then we are his masterpieces this incredible work that he has done I like to think of it like this and, and the Bible tells us that he knit us together in our mother's womb and, and I, I think it's something like this like it, it's time to make us and so Jesus goes and he, he goes into his workshop opens the door and shuts it I, I imagine he puts on this like you know maybe this leather smock and you know goes to to build us and he thinks and he dreams for a little bit and oh what do I want oh I know this is this is going to be awesome and he figures out this design and he gets to his thing he goes okay I want I want some of this personality type and he grabs some of this and puts it in the mix and I want, I want these kinds of passions. And he grabs some of those and puts them in. And, and, and some of these spiritual gifts, and he puts it in. He says, you know, I, I want this skin color and this, this, this you know, uh, 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 this amount of height. And, and when he did that, he grabbed the dust for me. He sneezed. And some of it blew off. He said, I'll get that later. But he never did. So this is how I ended up. But he puts it all together. Oh, wow, wow, this one is awesome. This is 
oh, I can't believe it. This one's good. He said this with each one of you. This is, this is so great. This is like, this is tied for the best one I ever made. And he goes running out of his shop. And he says, Gabriel, come over here. Michael, row your boat over here for a minute. Come here. Come here. Everybody, look at this. And they all go, oh, wow. Oh, man, Jesus, this is incredible. That is tied for the greatest one you ever made. And everybody just marvels at you because you are created in the image of God, a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That in Christ Jesus, that we are, we are supersized. We are released. There's, there's something when we connect with Jesus, what you created to do gets, gets kicked to a new gear. Because now you have Holy Spirit power in you, the Holy Spirit direction in you. And so you're created in him with his power as you're in Christ Jesus to do these good works which God's prepared for you in advance. That each one of, that means that for each one of us, God has a calling, a purpose. See, calling ain't just for the preacher, for the missionary. It's for each one of us. You have a calling. Now, I, I know this to be true. It's true in my church, and uh, it's true in... Other places I've, I've talked about this. When I start talking about calling, there's a number of you in this room right now kind of get discouraged, frustrated. You begin to think, I don't know what my calling is. What, what was I created to do? I don't know. And, and, and I think there's a really good way to kind of discover that. I, this, this pastor in the, in the Chicagoland area coined this phrase. He, he talked about your holy discontentment. What is it in you that, that gets you fired up, that gets you upset, that you want to see that change? Maybe more than anybody around you. For some of you, right, you may, you may hear about the, 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 the family you're going to work with, who's maybe struggling to make ends meet and can't have a good Christmas for their two kids, five-year-old and seven-year-old, while you're shopping boy and a girl. And, and you hear that, and you get fired up. You go, that shouldn't be. Everybody should have, you know, some fun there. Everybody should have some things. Everybody should have a great meal. Everybody should have food accessible. Like, that's not right. You get all fired up. And other people, yeah, it kind of sucks, but who cares? Right? That's probably your holy discontentment. For some of you, you look at the, the fact that it, it depends what your zip code is, depends what kind of education you get. And you see that unfairness of, of, of the way that's done and, and, and kids not getting an education, kids being pushed through school and, and ended up graduating, not even being able to read. And it, it makes you so angry and it, it gets you fired up. So somebody should do something about that. It's probably your holy discontentment. For some of you, you you're at work or in school and, and you see someone who, who doesn't know Jesus. And it just breaks your heart. And it's like, that he's going to hell. This, this isn't good. 
and it keeps you up at night, that's your holy discontentment. It can be around anything. It can be around letting people know what the Bible is, helping junior high kids get through junior high in a way that is, that is healing instead of destructive. Each one of you has a holy discontentment. Because we've been made to play, to serve others. You know, the thing is, it's amazing. It makes us healthier. Here's one of the things about the Bible. When, people, when social scientists research the principles it talks about for healthy life, it always finds out the Bible is right. This thing about serving others. They've done incredible research about volunteers. They find out every time we do better when we serve others. Let me, from a Canadian national survey of giving, volunteering, and participating, it was done in the year 2000. I quote, they found out this. Volunteering leads to great life satisfaction and lower rates of depression. They found out those who volunteer reported higher levels of happiness, self-esteem, and a sense of control over life and physical health. They found out research that found that when patients with chronic or serious illness volunteer, they receive benefits beyond what can be achieved through medical care. University of Nevada did a study. Now, there's a Christian bastion, right? They found this. Youth who volunteer just one hour or more a week are 50% less likely to, be, to abuse alcohol, cigarettes, become pregnant, or engage in other destructive behavior. It's a great antidote to help your kids grow well. Volunteer with them. Here's future benefits. And I like this one because you may not know this, but I'm old. Okay? And, and in that place, you start thinking about life expectancy, lifetime. They found this. Retired men who serve one day a week live two and a half times longer than men who don't. You want a healthy life. You want a life with joy and peace. You want a life that you're, you're, literally your physical body is better. Do what you're made to do. Get in the game and serve others. Second point is this. Jesus wants us to impact others. It's not just activity but meaningful activity. It's kingdom work. You know, we're called to serve our king and the people he loves. Let me read you something Jesus said. He said, you. He's talking to his disciples. He'd be talking to us. If you could get him in to preach, let me know if you do, because I'd love to find him. He would look out at us. Most of us, I'm, I'm guessing not everybody here is... Uh, has a personal connection with Jesus. I'm really glad you're here because this is good to hear this, what, what the Bible has to say because it'll, it'll help you make better decisions in your life. But he'd say this. He'd look at us and he'd say, you are the salt of the earth. Now, salt, right? Salt is salt preserves. Something that is decaying and rotting and going bad when salt is up against it, when salt connects with it and touches it, it it's, per, it's preserved. It doesn't rot. 
other thing with salt is it, it gives something that's bland. It gives it flavor, enjoyment out of it. Have you ever eaten popcorn without salt on it? Let me put that more clearly. Have you ever eaten cardboard without salt on it, right? It's the same thing, right? Salt gives flavor, brings joy. We're to be that in our communities. He says this. He says, you are the light of the world, which is a big deal because he also says, I am the light of the world. Again, we're made in his image. And light, light illuminates. Light shows the way. Light lets people see. Light chases away the darkness, chases away the fear. So we're to be these things. We're to be in the game, engaging people. And when we get in the game, we will impact others. Let me just tell you a quick story about a guy in my church. His name is Joe. Joe, uh, quite honestly, uh, Joe, Joe right now, I think he just... He may have just turned 90 or 89 or something. Oh, God. He's still, he's still, he can barely, he walks like hunched way over, can barely get moving. But Joe, 20 years ago, came to me, and his, his holy discontentment was people not having enough food. And he came to me, and he, we had just moved into our building, and he said, can I have some space? I want to start a food pantry. And, I'm, and Joe's like incredibly unarticulate, like he, he can't communicate that well. He, he, he's, he's not the warmest guy or anything, but I said, sure, Joe, you could do that if you want to try to feed people. And Joe said, yeah. And I, I gave him like a little room. And Joe starts gathering up food and somehow gets connected with people and they start coming and builds his team up. Long story short, before COVID, we have this great food pantry. We have like 50 volunteers working it, serving, you know, a hundred families a week. It's, it's an amazing thing. And then COVID comes. And because Joe did such a great job in the food pantry, the food bank who gives us our food, all these food pantries in Syracuse closed down when COVID hit. And so they came to us and said, you guys do such a good job. Would you start some more? Now, we're a multi-site church. So we did. We started three different, as soon as a, a month into COVID, we started three different food pantries at three of our sites. And Joe trained us, and he did it. And, and now we, we are serving over 400 families a week. I mean, we gave out last year enough meals to give everybody in the metro Syracuse area a meal, at least one meal. So that's like you know, half a million meals we gave out. And it was all because Joe, who isn't the most talented guy in the world, had his passion to make sure Nobody went hungry. That was his holy discontentment. You can have huge impact like Joe. But, so we get in the game, we impact others, but here's the last thing. We'll, we'll need to step in faith. See, I think some of the reason why we don't move into our holy discontentment is because it's scary. Because it, 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 um, it's overwhelming. It's bigger than we are. And, and there's, it's so easy to maybe not do it so we don't fail, then try it and fail and have to try it again. I, I get time and energy are, are, are factors. But again, there's a, a need for faith that God will bless my time and multiply things for me. 
when we're doing kingdom work, bringing the presence and power and love of Jesus into an area, we need kingdom power. Holy Spirit strength, wisdom. I mean, listen to this job assignment that he's given all of us. This is, again, Jesus talking to the 12, but later does this with the 72, later sends everybody out and says, this is what I want you all to be doing. And he says, as he sends them out, he gives them these marching orders. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Like he's saying, I want you, you, just average Joe and Jane like us. He wants us to get in the game and bring a supernatural power of the kingdom of God into our work spots and our school and our neighborhood and our, 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 our Christmas dinner, which, you know, maybe you have some weird Uncle Tonys are going to be there and they need Jesus. And so you are called to do that. And we need the power of God to do that. And then he says, freely you have received, freely give. Now, you most likely have experienced healing. Maybe some kind of supernatural, miraculous thing. You've certainly got the, the miracle of, of having your sins forgiven. And we're to bring that to people, to get in the game and to do it. No matter who you are. You know, just a, a quick little story. When I, was, when I first planted the church... You know, when you plant church, right, Scott, you can, you can attest this. When you plant a church, you do everything. You, you fill every role at some point or other. You know, you're just trying to get this thing off the ground. I did everything except for two things, honestly. I, I, I never did nursery. Babies just cry around me, right? And, and I never was allowed to be on a worship team. I, I feel insulted by that. I think my voice isn't that bad. Taking care of business every day. See, I could lead worship. I could. But they never let me. Okay. Well, I did everything else. So one time, we were just started. We had some junior high kids, and we decided that we needed to do something with them. So, so there was no one there. So I, I'll do that. I'll start it. And so we were doing, you know, it was just kind of starting a few weeks in, and we were meeting in front of this, at this one junior high girl's house, and we were going to go somewhere, and so I got there a little bit early, and uh, she came out, and two of her friends, and we're just waiting for other people to come, and she came out, and she said, oh, John, I, I feel so sick. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I don't know if I can go, and I said, oh, no, yeah, I feel so, you know, just feel like it's going to throw up any moment. I said, I said, can we pray for you? And she looked up. And like, oh, you know, you ever know how, how junior high kids can get really nervous and they get giggly? And such a junior high, they're just kind of giggling. <laughs> and I said, no, well, uh, in fact, you two are going to pray for your friend. And then the nervous laughter went up. <laughs> like, oh, no. And they were like freaking out. I said, listen, this is all you have to do. What I want you to do is put your hand on her stomach where it hurts. And I just want you to talk to Jesus and tell him what you'd like for your friend. <laughs> I said, do it, you know. <laughs> and and they, I don't remember the exact prayer. It was something like, you know, Jesus, you know, please help Monique's tummy not hurt. And, you know, Jesus, please don't make her puke, you know. And, you know, it's like those heartfelt kind of prayers. 
And it took off like 47 seconds or something, right? And I said, okay, how do you feel, Monique? I feel good. I feel great. I don't feel like I'm going to throw up. I'm going today. And, and she went and got brought, used those two new Christians, junior high kids, to bring the power of the kingdom right on her life because they got in the game. It, it's beyond us. Let me read you. I want, I want to just do one passage before it closes. It's, it, it's about when Jesus fed 5,000. And, you know, I want you to understand what's going on. First, so Jesus is in, Jesus' cousin gets brutally murdered. He gets the news. He's like you and me, man. He's grieving. He's in pain. He, he, he wants to go to a quiet place, and they get in a boat to go over to a, a lonely place, when a translation says. And, and they, they go there, to be alone so he could process his grief. But people heard where we were going. They ran ahead. When they land, they see this big crowd there, and it said Jesus had compassion on them. He loves people. He has compassion on people. And so he begins to serve them by, by teaching them the word, healing. You know, I'm guessing he got prophetic you know, words for people and all kinds of bringing truth and grace into the presence. It must have been awesome. And everybody's doing it. He's pouring himself out, and it's getting late now. We pick up the story there. It says, by this time, it was late in the day. And so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So, okay, they see, look, it's getting late. Chick-fil-A's already closed. Like, we're in trouble. Like, send these guys so they can go get some food. So at least they were aware enough to understand what was going on around them, that there was a need. And so their, their first solution was, go send them away so they could take care of their own need. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. He calls them into the game to meet a need that is around them, to be salt and light. Well, they said to him, and I'm guessing, now this is just me. They said to him, right, and I'm guessing, he said, uh, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? I'm guessing that's like Matthew, right, the tax collector. You know, he, he numbers in his head. He looks around, he figures out this crowd of 5,000 men. We don't even know how many women and children. You know, this huge crowd. He's figured out, well, you know, okay, bologna's going to cost this much, blah, 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 blah. He goes, that's like a half year's wage. It's overwhelming. It's a bigger problem than they can do on their own. And Jesus puts them back into the game. Because they're saying, like, well, we don't have the resource, so we can't get in the game. Well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And we read over that and we think it's easy, but here it is, this big crowd, five, 10,000 people, right? And you got to go assess what's there. They're hungry. It's late. So you got to go in a crowd and find out, hey, you got any food? What's in the lunch pail? Hey, uh, you know where I can grab a, a loaf of bread or something? Like they got to kind of get this information. 
They take some work, some risk. And they had to do that. And they come back and they say, oh, we got five, we've got five loaves and two fish. And so you think about this, right? I always picture it this way. This is me. I, I picture it's like two 12-inch Subway subs. That's about what they bogarted out of somebody, right? Like they figured it out. Okay, come on, come on, come on. And some kid gave up his lunch. And so Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples as tribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. Now we read that and say, wow, man, Jesus did quite a thing. And he did. But I want you to really to think about what happened. So Jesus has his couple of subs and says he prayed, you know. All right, Father, just do your stuff, man. Just multiply this. Let's feed everybody. And then he takes it. He gives it to them. Now, think about it, right? He's got two loaves. There's 12 of them circled. You know, I don't know, five to 10,000 people out there. And he breaks it. Now, let's just say he breaks a chunk of it. Maybe half the sub. He rips it in half, gives, here, Nathaniel, you go take those groups over there. I want you to put yourself in Nathaniel's sandals. You turn around, there's this mob, and you got a six-inch sub. What's the first thing you do? You know, like, you're, you're wetting yourself. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that down. We could stay in Syracuse. I, I could say, I may even say it more graphically than that, but uh, <laughs> that's me. I'm sorry. So, so there's Nathaniel, right? And he's got to go to this big crowd. I mean, I'm just putting myself in his shoes. I mean, think about how you would do this, right? I would probably, like, kind of hide this sub as I, I, I went up. Very discreet, like, Psst. you hungry? Here. Just rip off a little corner of the sub, right? I mean, you got this much. You got this many people. So you just rip off. Here. Here, trick this. And the person next to him looks, so you go, here, here, I got some for you. And you rip off a little piece. And, and, then, and then the person next to them, maybe some mom with four kids. And she goes, you got something for us? And the kids are crying, and, you know, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And, and, and he looks down, and he notices that a six-inch sub is still six inches. And says, whoa, whoa. And so he, he grabs a, a bigger piece and gives it to her. And then the guy, you know, the guy next to her, some big biker guy, he's got this uh, souped-up donkey, you know, like, you know. And he's like, oh, I, I want some. And he's like, sure. And you look down, it's still six inches. And you give him a big chunk because he's a big guy. And then, uh, and then the next one, you start going, and you're just as generous, and you're pouring it out, and you keep looking, and this sub never ends. Because you've stepped in faith. You've listened to what Jesus said to do. You were loving people. You were doing your calling. And the power of God met you there. And this crowd is fed with two subs. 
And you send out 12. Each of you got to go out to, to, to pick up. And I think Jesus did this to, 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 to smash down an explanation point on what he just did. And each of them comes back with a basket full of leftovers. You have been called to get in the game. And Jesus will bless you and empower you. What's your holy discontentment? What do you need to step out and do, even if it's impossible? Your best life in Jesus is to do that. Now, those aren't rhetorical questions. I want you to ask yourself those. Some of you, my senses in the spirit, some of you right now, know when I started talking about holy discontentment, something popped up person's face, a situation, a story you just read about, about your communion in the paper. Something rose up, said it shouldn't be. Somebody needs to do something about that. I believe this morning God's asking you to be that person to do something. So I know there's, there's ministry time at their communion. I want you, you know, it's easy if we don't do it right now, it's easy to say, well, I'll blow it off. I had communion. I'm full. Let's go. But I want you to go to the ministry stations and say, yes, God asked me to do this. And I want you to get prayer for courage and insight in how to do it. I'll be praying with one of the teams as well. So, Chris, you come up and do.